0: Is this one or this one? So more about that in a moment. So, Greg said there were two reasons why we were doing this series and why you all are wearing, or most of you, are wearing name tags. I do find name tags interesting. Uh, you get a lot of re- feedback on name tags. One feedback is these are awesome. I love name tags. I know I can call people by name, all that. What else do you think we hear? How long do we have to wear these? I don't like having to wear a name tag. We're New Englanders, right? If I want somebody to know my name, I'll tell them. Wow, I love New England. All right, so thank you for the people that aren't wearing name tags by the other way are in that latter group of people. So tell them you love them today. Um, so first reason, first of two reasons why we're doing this. One is, so you get to know some new people, okay? You're, you're getting to know some new people. So today we're gonna do something a little different. Remember last week, Greg said, find someone you didn't know. That's a little tricky, right? Especially for people that were brand new that day. They were like overwhelmed by like a hundred people coming up saying hello to them. So today we're going to do it a little differently. You can still find someone you don't know if you can find somebody. But you can also say hello to someone that you know, but you didn't know their name. Okay, you know them. You've said hello to them maybe a dozen, two dozen, a hundred times. But you didn't know their name. Today, you can go up. Now, if you're brave, you'll go up and tell them that, hello, so-and-so, I didn't know your name before today. You don't have to give yourself away, though, if you don't want to. But I'm gonna ask you to get up now, find someone that you either don't know at all or someone who you didn't know their name before today and say hello to them, shake their hand, read their name tag. All right, everybody, up, go find somebody, say hello. Good job, everybody. Back to our seats. Good job. All right. What a friendly group, huh? All right. So, here's the deal Confession is good for the soul. So most every Sunday I would have a friend who would sit right down here and I would always make sure I said hello to her. And she would usually be sitting with another friend of hers who I had seen a hundred times before, knew her by face, could pick her out of a crowd, but I didn't know her name. So I'd always say hello to my friend and I'd say, hey, young lady, or hey, how are you doing today? So on one fateful Sunday, she looks at me and says, you don't know my name, do you? So I'm a pastor, right? I know how to handle that. Well, what makes you think I don't know your name? You know, you don't think I know your name? And she said, no, I don't think you know my name. What is it? All right. I said, okay, I don't know your name. So she told me her name, name is Joyce. And I got to meet Joyce. I'd known Joyce before, but I will tell you from that Sunday on, it's different now. I know her name. I get to talk to her, so I don't know about her, you can ask her herself, but uh, for me it's different. I knew her before, but now I just, I have this sense that I know her better, just because I know her name. So it was really enlightening to me to see... Okay, now wait a minute, you're getting real, you're getting really hard now. The two J's? No, remember? That's right, Joyce. Oh, now I remember that. But I want you to know, I remembered, I'll i never forget your name, Joyce. Trust me, trust me, I won't. But I, I love that. And you know, it really taught me something. So, so it's, it was just really an enlightening thing for me. So that was uh, that. Was that. Um, oh, my, my notes got all reversed. So one goal of the series was that we would know each other's names... And a few, well, not everyone, but we would know a few more names than we did before. But Greg said there was a second reason for our our series, Hello, My Name Is. And he said this, it's a thing about vision. We want to define this term vision, and hence the title of my message. Do you get it now? This one or this one? A or B. Yes. Okay. What is it? Optometry. Optometry. You're at the. Remember when he does that? Is it clear with this or this? A or B? Okay. Good. Glad you got that now. All right. For those of you that don't go to the optometrist and can't see me, I'm Ed Hiers up here, and uh, that's why you didn't get that. Okay. So Greg talked. Pastor Greg talked about the importance of having vision in our personal life, but he also talked about how important it was to define Shiloh's vision. You know, he had asked a number of people to tell him what the vision is of Shiloh. And he got a lot of really great answers, but he got a lot of different answers. And and so as elders, we feel it's really important that if you come to Shiloh, you should know our vision. Even more importantly, as elders, we should know our vision. So, So we've really spent some time praying about that, meeting about that. We went for an overnight. And the ability to communicate it also has to be something we can all do simply and easily. So we did not want something super complex and, and real wordy, all right? And, and he played a, a clip last week of Finding Nemo. Remember where all the fish swim in the same direction? So we as a church would like to be swimming in the same direction when it comes to the vision, the vision we have for what has God called us to do. So four things, you see them up on our banner, and we'll be repeating these uh, quite frequently in the months uh, ahead. One, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, all right? And they, are, they build on each other. We'll see about that as we, as we go forward. Today, we're going to start with the first two, know God, find freedom. What we'll also be doing is everyone in Shiloh that's been here even for a while will end up going through a series of, of classes, four classes that will dig into these specifically each week, one each week, but they'll also tell a lot more about how they're going to apply specifically to Shiloh. Today, we're just talking about the larger vision. Next week, you'll hear about Discover Purpose uh, Make a Difference. So, know God. So, let me tell you a story about, about God and names. Because you ever wonder, does God really know your name? Well, let me give you the story. So, I have a close friend. name is Harry Schmidt. Some of you know him. Some of you have seen him. He's been to Shiloh years ago. And Harry was 10 years old when this happened lived in a rural part uh, of, of the country. I believe it was Ohio, but I'm not positive about that. But it was out in, in farmland. He was 10 years old, and he had a, a friend, went to school with him, little girl, she was 10 as well. Her father was a pastor of the local church. Harry, his family didn't go to church, but the daughter uh, of, the, of the pastor got to know Harry from school and said to Harry, why don't you come to church? So Harry went to church with their family. And then after a while going to church... She said, why don't you come with us? We're going to a, a um, kind of a, not a conference, uh, an event. Catherine Kuhlman, Bill, you remember Catherine Kuhlman. Uh, one of her evangelistic miracle healing meetings. Thousands would come to hear her. And it was in some larger city. So they drove there. He went with the family. And, he's, and because uh, the girl's father was a pastor, she got, he got to sit in a special section right up front. Because there were literally thousands in this arena. And Catherine Kuhlman was very, very strange. Okay, she was theatrical. She would wear these long flowing gowns and she would float around and she she was the most powerful spiritual minister of the gospel. You talk about miracles, I'm talking about chapter of Acts miracles right in front of you. They videoed them. You can see them anytime you want to. I, I would assume if you were out on the internet, they've got to be somewhere. But anyway, she was theatrical and all this type of stuff. So she's at this this uh, meeting, this big meeting, and, and here's Harry, 10 years old, sitting down toward the front. I don't know if he's in the front row. I don't think so. I think he was in the second or third row. Catherine Kuhlman's going through her little thing, and all of a sudden, she wheels this way and says, what is your name, young man? And you just have to know her. I mean, and Harry said if he could have gone to the bathroom right then, he, he would have just gone because he was scared to death. And he put his head down, and he just mumbled, I'm a nobody. And Catherine Kuhlman, with her finger out right at him, says, you are not a nobody, Harry Schmidt. She didn't know him from anyone, never saw him. He, you know, this woman never had, what do you think? What do you think that did to him? This woman who never have seen him in her life, never, there's thousands of people in this auditorium, and she did that. Those type of things were very common for her. And so a 10 but she didn't stop there. She said, let me tell you, Harry Schmidt, what God is gonna do in your life. Now, Harry's just started going to church. He's 10 years old, he doesn't have a clue. And she prophesies what this guy will be. And I will tell you this, in my travels over 40 some years of being a Christian, I've traveled not only in this country, other countries, I have never met anyone, I would tell you, if you said to me, Ed, have you ever met an apostle, a modern day apostle, that would be Harry Schmidt. Planted hundreds of churches, is responsible for thousands of people, behind the Iron Curtain, all kinds, of, when there was an Iron Curtain, all kinds of issues that he has started and led, colleges, all, I mean, he's an amazing man. And, and does he know your name? To me, that story illustrated the fact that God knows our name better than any story I've ever heard. But it was amazing. But let's look what the Bible says about that because that's a great story. But what does the word say? In, Jer- in Isaiah 43, "'But now thus says the Lord, "'He who created you, O Jacob, "'he who formed you, O Israel.'" Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. John 10, 2, and 3. But he who enters the door uh, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, not only does God know your name and my name, but he knows everything about you and I. He knows everything, all about you. Matthew 10:29 says this: Jesus speaking, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? It was like a, a penny. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Psalm 139, 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Is that not freaky? Every day of our lives, God knew before you were even created. I mean, would you want to know every day of your life? Say no. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, oh, I would do not want to know that. You know, I do not want to know that. I just want to take him one day at a time because I know he can get through that. But if I ever had to look ahead and see some of the things were going to happen to me, I would have just quit right there. No, but he does. He knows every single day. Each moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's, you know, and think of the billions of people. Unbelievable. See, not only does he know everything about you and me, he still loves us. (laughs) All right? That's a real test of... Of God's love, He knows everything. In fact, before you had a clue who He was, before all he had done for you, he loved you. I love the verse in First John 4:19. What does it say? We love him because he first loved us." Jeremiah 29 :11 says that he has plans for you and I. He has these amazing plans for you and I, and it'll prosper you. They're always to prosper you. They're not to harm you. This hope that we have. This is an amazing God who we want to get to know. But here's the important question. The question really isn't, does God know your name? Because the Bible is clear about that. God absolutely categorically not only knows your name, He knows everything about you. The real question is, do you know Him? That's the question. You see, do you really know Him? Not just do you know His name or know something about Him, but do you truly know Him? Now, now I believe the answer to that in this room is mostly yes, because every one of us, everyone in this room, we have all different circumstances in how we came to this place, but every one of us knows God by only one moment in time. And it was the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you, not only knew who he was, but you said, I believe you were born, you died, you rose again for my sins. And at that moment in time, all of us begin our journey of knowing God. All of us at that same time. Romans 10.13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 17.3 in says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, you, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life right there. That is the knowledge of God that starts you and I off down this path. Now, here's what I want you to know, though. Let's back up a little bit. Just knowing someone's name, just knowing they exist, that doesn't mean that we are looking to have a relationship with them. All right, I know Tom Brady's name, but guess what? I don't have a personal relationship with him. I would like one personally, but I won't have one. You know, I was talking to someone who I'm, I've recently met, and I thought it was really kind of interesting, a little side note. I didn't tell this to the first service. Anyway, I, I was meeting with him recently, and he's, uh, he's a particular tradesman, and he was hired to do some really uh, you know, nice work at Tom Brady's home. I said, oh, did you meet him? And he says this, no, I just had to work with his wife the whole time. <laughs> enough said. Yeah. All right. So, knowing someone exists, knowing their name, not enough, okay? See, long before you and I were Christians, I knew God. I knew his name. Most of my time, I would have, ex- I would have told you, I believe he exists. But I hardly had a personal relationship with him nor did I clearly know much about him. And see, as a, as a Christian, sometimes I come out of a particular religious background that if I'm not careful, I believe now that I'm saved, I have a responsibility to know God. And the reality of life is that's something that is so wrong. I have the privilege of knowing God. There's a world of difference between those two. A world of difference. Knowing God works so much better when we do it out of the sense of privilege to do that than out of responsibility. See, when I first met Barb, I, I went to work for her mom at a flower shop. She was, um, she was uh, at the shop, and she went out on deliveries with me. And I, I, I knew Barb's name at that point, and I knew she existed, right, because she was actually sitting in the seat next to me a number of times. But I wanted to know everything about her. I didn't just want to know her name. I just didn't want to know that she existed. I wanted to know everything I could about her. Because I really cared for her. And I wanted to have a personal relationship with her. Which was very difficult, by the way, because she was not cooperating early on. I want you to know. That's one of the drawbacks. If there's any failure in her past, that was it. All right. See, I didn't do it because I had to do it. I did it because I wanted to do it. And here's what I learned is, are three critical things if you're going to have a personal relationship with anyone. Okay? Number one, time, right? Everyone said, yes, Ed, time. All right, time. And then what? Communication, right? And thirdly, what comes from time communication is trust. That's how trust is built. So they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So I have invited my very close friend, Jenna, to come and join me on stage. As soon as I asked her, she said, yes, she went right into the bathroom. So I'm not sure what that means, but she was nervous. No, come on up. All right, Jenna, how are you? Okay. All right, sit over there. So Jenna, do you know where I live? Kind of. But not, not exactly? What's my address? I don't know your address. Okay. You. Um, how many grandchildren do I have? A few. A few, right. Can you give me their names? No. Do you know my middle name? No. Do you know my birth date? No. <sighs> so by the way, I know none of those things about Jenna either. All right, so I think it would be fair to say we don't really know each other. All right, good. All right, so, thank you. (laughs) So, do you know more about me now? No, no, but, but we just spent time together. We did. we did, but you don't know anymore, do you? No. Why is that? Um, well, I didn't ask. No communication. no communication. No communication. Okay, so now let's add time with communication. So Jenna, where do you live? Oh, by the way, how old are you? Hey, I don't know what color your eyes. Oh, that's good. Hey, I was wondering, I need to buy my wife a gift, either jewelry or clothes. What do you think she would most like? Oh, by the way, do you have any siblings? No, okay. How old is your father mother? How, how, do you know me better now? No, wow. So we had time and communication, right? What's wrong? I did all the talking. You yes, asked my wife, she'd tell you that's pretty normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I asked a lot of questions, didn't I? But I never gave you a chance to answer. All right, you're done. How was that? You can go back to your seat now. all right thanks jenna that was good I, i feel so close to her now so you see we laugh right so sometimes we feel out of obligation we have to spend time with god and then we quote unquote communicate with him how do we communicate with him we pray to him right how's your prayer life go God, and we need this, I want that, would you please touch this, this, that, what do I do there, what do I do there, And how many times do we stop and have a communication back there? Now, some of you do, I understand that. But the vast majority of Christians that I speak with, including myself many times, get in this one-way communication mode with God. Knowing God doesn't work nearly as well if you have one-way communication with Him. It definitely doesn't work well if you don't have time. Because there's no way that a relationship, isn't it amazing too how much time you can find when you want to build a relationship with someone? You will make the time. And we don't do it out of obligation. We do it out of privilege. And then when we communicate. So how does God communicate to us? This is basic. But how does he do it? Because I think we lose sight of this. One at a time. Through his word. Through his word. Okay, one of the ways God speaks to us. So when you read the word. If you, you know, I do a Bible app. So I have to read every day. But I don't have to read. I want to read. And I want to go slow enough. Depending on how late it is in the day. Uh, but most of the time, I want to go slow enough so I get something out of this. So I hear what God is saying to me through his word. And that's really an important thing because I'll be praying about things and then God will at another time reveal something to me through his word I never knew was there. Sometimes God speaks to me through his word and I say this, seriously, seriously, really, you think that is what I'm supposed to do. How else does God speak to us? Through other people, no question about it. God bless Tom Murphy. I miss him, I miss him, I miss him because Tom Murphy would speak to me when no one else would speak to me. I'm not always the easiest guy to speak to when you want to correct me. I don't know why. People don't seem to find that very easy. Tom never had a problem with that. (laughs) And he would call me short on things, things I've said, things I did, and, and just question where my heart was on things. Oh, I loved him. I miss him greatly to this day. So other people, be careful who you have speak into your life. You know, don't let everyone speak into your life. But pick those people that you trust and you know have a love for you and a concern for you. Every once in a while, God will send somebody from out of the blue. Happens to happen to me uh, once or twice. But for the most part, God speaks to us through people that He's placed in our life that have gained our trust and our love. How else does God speak to us? Oh, well, wow. say again. Yep, visions. Absolutely. Dreams at night sometimes. Yeah. Worship music. Oh, boy, that's a great one. Okay, but let me tell you the one I really want you to talk about. He speaks to you. By speaking to you. Okay, so this is a little tricky one here. Because God has spoken to me many, many times, but never audibly. Okay, and I'm not saying God can't speak to you audibly, but, but he hasn't spoken to me audibly. But he speaks to me. I hear him. I hear him inside of whatever it is. My spirit, my soul, my mind. But not always clear as a bell. And sometimes when I want to do something, okay, let me be honest with you, I stop and I have God tell me it's Okay. God, is this okay? Mm, this is okay. You can do that. Okay, we're good. I can go now. No. All right, but sometimes we do kind of go through those times where, Lord, this is what I want you to say, so maybe I'm going to hear that. But you kind of know when those times come. You really do. But then there are other times. I was out. Uh, I, I was going to say I was out jogging just because Greg embarrasses me with all he does. But I was actually out walking. <laughs> so, uh, and not very fast, but let's not go there. Uh, but I was out walking, and God just spoke to me. about something I've been really... T- struggling through. Just clear as a bell, came out of nowhere, and just spoke to me. It was an impression. It wasn't a voice. But but one of the ways we communicate with God is we pray and we stop. It's awkward. It's awkward. But just sit there. Just like I did with Jenna. But God, unlike Jenna, will talk to me. You weren't supposed to talk to me, by the way, so don't worry about that. Uh, but God will speak to you. Maybe not immediately the, the minute you take a breath, which we're so used to in this life. But Knowing God takes time, it takes communication, and it invariably builds trust. And that trust is so important, because when you get into the rocks sometime in your life, and we all do, something has to be more trustworthy than the circumstances you're in. Because sometimes the circumstances say, you're done, this is it. You know, you'll never come back from this, whatever the case may be. And trusting God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know the plans you have for me, plans to prosper me. I know that you've not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. All of the scriptures come back to us as we have built this communication and this trust in him. See, knowing God is part of our vision for Shiloh. For those that are here and for those that God will send to us. But also, we'll go beyond that, because part of that, that, res- that, now you want to talk about responsibility and privilege, is that when I know who Christ is, I now have a chance to help other people know who Christ is. And that's a, a message for another time. So, we know him now, and it's a pro- it is a lifelong process. But what comes out of knowing him without question is this whole second part of our vision, find freedom. When you know God, you will find freedom. See, because God knows you so well, because every moment of your life he's recorded in his books, God knows exactly what it will take for true freedom in your life. He knows it starts where every one of us that have accepted Christ in this room started, with that acceptance, okay? See, Most of us here know John 3.16, that God loved the world. He sent his Son, okay, that we wouldn't perish. We'd have everlasting life. But here's what the Apostle John says about that. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Another version says, so if the Son makes you free, then you are un." Questionably free. See, I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian at age 25, I was not free for a lot of reasons in a lot of ways. My past was something that, that had really done anything but set me free. I remember just one of the occurrences, and this was years after I was saved, probably seven years after I was saved. I was sitting at a conference at a table with about 10 other people. It was a marriage conference, but they were talking about, at this moment, what was your childhood like? So I thought, oh boy, have I got a story for them. What a crummy childhood I had. But I happened to be, they started with the person next to me and they went this way. I was last. By the time they got to me, I didn't say anything other than, you know what, I had a pretty good childhood. My mother and father loved me and that's where I stopped because, oh my goodness, what I just heard around that table, I thought I had a tough childhood. Oh my goodness. There's an old saying, you know, if everybody were to throw all their troubles in the middle of the table, you'd be fast to grab yours back. Okay, so, so what happens though has nothing to do with that. <laughs> okay, it has to do with the fact that God speaks to me right at that moment and says to me, do you know you've never told your son about your father? And my son was like five or six. I never even thought of it. I never mentioned him to my son. Never showed him a picture of my father. Never talked to him about him. Totally out of the blue. I just started to cry. Because I realized I had a major problem with my dad. One that I had swept under the rug, put behind me, never wanted to talk about him. All that kind of stuff. And just all came out. And it changed my life. Today, if you come in my house, open my drawer. I've got a big picture of my dad. And all my, fi- my family and my, my lineage. But it, was, it's, it set me free from some things that I didn't even realize I was carrying around. But see, when we get saved... When we know God, we just become more free. We don't even sometimes realize it. But you know how when you got saved many times, you feel that weight lift off you, setting you free. So let, I went to Merriam-Webster, okay? And Merriam-Webster is a dictionary. I love sometimes how the, the, the natural or a worldly dictionary lines so much up with what we can learn from the Word of God. So let's look at this whole concept of being free. What does it mean? What does the word "free" mean? Well, here's the first uh, definition in Merriam-Webster: having the legal and political rights of a citizen. Okay. So if I were Joyce, pretend you don't know me for a moment, don't know my name. So I come, I knock out on your door at two in the morning. You come and say, "Who is it?" I say, "Doesn't matter who it is. Open up. I want to search your home." Yeah, buddy, I'm calling 911. You better be out of here in two minutes because you know I don't have the right to make you open the door. If I said I was Pastor Ed, you probably still wouldn't open the door at two in the morning and I wouldn't blame you. All right, so the fact of the matter is that we know our rights. We know what people can and can't do. You know, people can't just walk up and say, give me all your money. You know, they have a gun or a knife maybe, but yeah, get lost, buddy. Nobody, I don't care if they're a great politician or what they are, they can't violate your rights. But here's what Philippians 3.20 says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, if we're awaiting a Savior from there, it is not here. Okay? So heaven, you know, people say, oh, we're in heaven on our way to heaven. No, we're not. Okay? Heaven is a different place, and you're a citizenship. You're a citizen there. So guess what? You may not have thought of this before, but you're a dual citizen. Huh? Is anyone here a dual citizen in the building? Okay, there's one. There's one. Oh, no, you're not one. Okay, but not heaven. Oh, yeah, Bob, you're dual. Okay, so a lot of times people have dual citizenship. And so, Bob, do you have any less rights in Haiti now that you're a citizen here too? No. Do you have any less rights in the United States because you're a citizen of Haiti? Say no. Okay, good. Um, So in dual citizenship, normally, in almost all cases, you have full rights in both. So the fact of the matter is, you have every right as a citizen in heaven to declare all the rights of a citizen in heaven. You don't have to be there to claim the rights. I don't, if I'm a Swiss citizen, I don't have to be in Switzerland to, to be a Swiss citizen and to have all the rights and privileges that go with that. I don't have to physically be in the country. Read the Word of God. It'll set you free. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? As you read the Word of God, you'll find out what you're free from. And it's awesome. And as a citizen of heaven, you can claim that. Next couple of definitions. Enjoying the personal, enjoying personal freedom, not subject to the control or domination of another. Not bound, confined, or detained by force. Okay? This is the hardest lesson you'll sometimes ever learn spiritually. You have one enemy. Okay, and everybody would say, Amen, Ed. Right? We have one enemy, right? All right, that's resounding. So, you'll all admit that, but then when you get in trouble, you start pointing at other people like they're enemies. Okay, marital problems. I've never had a really bad marital issue where the spouse comes in and says, by the way, this is all my fault. You know, it's all about me. I'm 100% wrong. What do I need to do? That would be so nice, by the way. But they don't. It's always something about the other person. It could be your boss. It could be a situation in your life. You know, I wasn't born in a good family. I I was born physically handicapped. I was born poor, you know, whatever it may be. But a lot of times we focus on the issues of our life as if the issues or the people are the problem. And the word is so clear. We fight one enemy and here's what we know about an enemy. He's a good enemy in this regard. He lives up to being an enemy. It says what? Your enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? Any good enemy worth their salt is going to do that. That's his job. Jesus said, I have come, but you may have life. Have it more abundantly. All right, so you got one enemy, and Jesus says, you're a citizen of heaven. This is what you can know, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I have overcome the world, be of good cheer. All these scriptures, one enemy. But I will tell you something. When you are in the, you know what? You're going to have a hard time saying, well, I know that's Satan. And I know I, because all the seems a little, oh, yeah, right, yes. You know, devil under every bedpost and all that kind of stuff. You know, no, that's who it is. And you may say, well, you know, they have choices. I know they have choices. But the person tempting them to make stupid choices is the only enemy you get to resist. It's the only one that actually effectively will work to change the heart, the mind, the circumstances that you're in. And we don't know that. He comes disguised, the word says, as an angel of light. You would be shocked at the things I hear for people justifying what they're doing. I mean, it's enough to say seriously. I mean, you really have got yourself to that point where you believe you can justify what you're doing by that but I know who it is. I don't. I don't make it as if I don't make them, it sound as if they're some kind of wacko or something like that. But they just. We just don't know. In this whole idea of finding freedom, one of the ways we find freedom is realizing who the freedom stealer is. And he's not your spouse. He's not your family. It's not your job. It's not your finances. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I have to tell you something about... Resi- I had uh, Jeremiah Trott here as a policeman. Jeremiah, I've, I've done ride-alongs with him. A ride-along with him. And uh, he's told me a lot of stories. And, uh, you know, he has to subdue criminals sometimes. And, uh, and they don't always want to be subdued. Did you know that? So he goes, these tells these stories about what's happened to him and what they've, you know, the, the real problem is when he wants to subdue someone that's three times his size, you know, and four times as strong. And, uh, and it's the interesting thing is when he resists their attacks on him, they don't always go away immediately. He's got to work at it sometimes for quite a while. But the fact of the matter is it's the same way with the enemy. You know, well, I did resist the enemy. He didn't go anywhere. Come on. Resisting is not a one-time prayer. It's standing your ground. It's knowing who God is, knowing what His Word says, knowing that He's spoken to you through His Word, and holding on to that Word. Another definition is relieved from something unpleasant or burdensome. 1 Peter 5, 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. One of the enemy's great ways of tricking us up is to convince us we've done so many wrong things. That God, he loves us, but he kind of loves us from afar. That is such malarkey, okay? God always cares for you. Never does what you do change his love or care for you. Consequences come from what we do, but God's love and caring doesn't ever change. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know, we can find freedom as we realize that Christ not only wants your cares, he desperately wants your cares. He desperately has this longing for you to be free from carrying the things of this world. And so today, as we look at Shiloh's vision, the vision of leadership here is that everyone that comes into this place would know God and would continue to know God. And as a result of that, would find freedom. Because when people know God and when they find freedom, they help other people know God and find freedom who then help other people know God and find freedom. It is a never-ending chain. Next week, we'll talk about how that knowing God, finding freedom allows us to discover our purpose. And then once that happens, how do we, how do you and I make a difference? Which takes us right back through this cycle again. It's a great vision. It's a great vision. Philippians 1.6 says this, I'm convinced And sure of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. How does he do that? He does that by the fact that you know him and you grow in that knowledge and you find that freedom. And God is able to, as a result of that, perfect in you the work that he has called you to. Everything in our spiritual walk starts at that top one. No God. When you make that declaration, if you're here today and you've never you know who God is by name, you would admit that He exists, but you would also have to admit you do not have a personal relationship with Him. Let's bow our, our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. I always like to give it a, a chance when the Lord moves me in this direction. If you're here today. And you would say, you know, Ed, I know God. I know who God is, known Him who He is for years. And, and, and I believe that He exists, but I've never had a moment in my life where I have genuinely surrendered to Him, acknowledged who He was, and wanted to grow in that knowledge so that I too could be set free. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Make sure I acknowledge it. Raise your hand for just a moment. Let me see it. And I would like to pray for you. You don't have to come up. I will pray for you. Anyone today? Keep your hand up if that is you. Anyone today? Anyone? Anyone at all? All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that, Father, we can, we can surely grab a vision that says, "No, God, find freedom, Lord. What a great vision. As we begin down this process as Shiloh, Father, I pray that you will move on the hearts of each one here and that when this is completed, Lord, we as a church and we as individuals will know much more clearly what your vision is for us individually and what your vision is for us collectively as a body of believers. We thank you for moving us down this path and keeping us on this path and letting us find exactly what you have for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for any reason, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you.